We're back on to the Nathan Bro Show with Elijah Lane. Hello, Elijah. Hello, Nate. Nate, uh, thanks for having me again, bro. You know I love being with you, bro. Every time I see you, you know I love being with you, bro. Oh, man. Well, we got a good one in store, man, because we're going to continue on where we left off with the last podcast. The last podcast, why don't you go ahead and put it into your words real quick? Your own little words. Man, I'm not even going to lie to you, bro. We had a, we talked about a few different things, and I'm not going to sit here and remember or act like I remember all of it, but it was along the lines of where is home? What is earth? What is earth to us Christians? How should we behave as we understand this reality? These types of things. Yeah. Yeah, man. And with the last podcast, we really just laid some groundwork that would lead up to this podcast. So in the last podcast, we talked about why earth is our home and the role that we play in it and how we mesh with it. I think one of the big takeaways that I felt like was important was that we're not a cog in a machine. We, with a cog in a machine, if the cog breaks, what you do to the machine uh, is you open it up, you take the cog out, and you replace it with another cog. It's no problem. And that's kind of this whole independence vibe that we've gotten in our modern society really reminisces of that. Like you're independent. You are you. You are who you are. And there's no one else like you. But that also means once you break, you're replaced. Mm. You're not, you don't belong to the machine. Meanwhile, if my finger gets cut off and somebody runs with my finger for some weird reason, I guess they like the ring I was wearing. I don't know. I'm not going to bother. They cut my finger off. I'm not asking questions. I'm just running after them. If they cut my finger off and they run off with my finger, that's my finger. There's no two ways about it. Like I grew that finger. I spent a long, hard time trying to not break that finger. All right. I put that finger many places that no one wants to know about. Like that finger is part of me. Even if it's cut off and taken away, unlike a cog in a machine, if you take a piston of an engine, it's just a piston. It doesn't belong to that engine. Its identity isn't attached to it. Meanwhile, my finger's identity is attached to me, and I'm attached to it. There's a, a unity to it, a collectiveness to it. So because of this, like we are, we have the same thing with Earth, where we are part of an organism together. Rather than being part of a machine, we're part of an organism. And because of this, there's an interconnectedness to this. So I know one thing we talked about that we really kind of had fun with as well was the conversation about the earth as a raft. And that one was, that one was interesting. I think that's a really good, um, it makes sense to me that the earth is a raft as far as why a lot of the things that are advocated by a humanist perspective are advocated from uh, advocated from that humanist perspective. This is the only boat they got as far as they see it. Meanwhile, conservative Christians and the progressive side will look dumbfoundedly at the Christians trying to figure out, hey, why is why are you just sleeping on this very important detail? The thing is that they're not sleeping. It's that they don't see the earth as a raft because they see the earth as created and orchestrated and maintained by a being who is greater than physics. So there's not a concern of sinking. It's less like you're on a raft and it's more like you're on a boat, but this boat just so happened to be owned by Poseidon. Like, it's Poseidon's boat. If it sinks, it's supposed to sink. That's where it's supposed to go. Like, it's designed for that. So that was another fun conversation I remember us having as well. Man, as far as 
I just have to say really quickly, imagery of a raft, again, it's really just a perfect, perfect piece of imagery, right? Because, again, and just as a quick recap, bro, I think that we talked about last podcast how you have gentlemen like Elon Musk who are looking at space as the new final frontier. You know what I'm saying? And so, (laughs) therefore, this raft is going down. We can get up out of here and go somewhere else and continue Mm -hmm. to do whatever it is that we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just very interesting. I really like that. Yeah. It's like if your raft is sinking, find another raft or fix your raft. And you see both of those. The world's on fire. We have to end it. Stop all use of carbon fuels immediately. That's one side that's trying to save the raft. And you have the other side, like you're saying, try and find another raft or a replacement for the raft. And that's where you start seeing, all right, guys, how does Mars sound? <laughs> like, Not interesting. A little no. too red? Um, a little ugly? Too red. Do they have Dang. oil? Well, we'll have electric cars, that's for sure. <laughs> Anyways. Those will be the only thing allowed on Mars right. or Teslas. Not even electric cars. Right, just no, seriously. We're, we're just going to change uh, Mars to Teslaville or Tes- Elon Muskville. Elon Muskville. What was Nikolai? We're just going to call it to Nikolaiville. There we go. That was Tesla's first name. Uh, where uh, where I would like to go, though, is kind of picking up on one route that we talked about early on, in, like later on in the pod, the previous podcast, which was that our relationship with Earth is very closely connected, as in we are its leaders as older brothers. And we talked very quickly about how we're a mixture of both heaven and Earth. We're breathed by God, which is heaven, but we're made by clay, which is Earth. The identity we receive by that as more or less responsible older siblings to the Earth. First off, a very unique part of scripture that a lot of people kind of get a little confused on is that when the, when the Bible talks about the relationship of older brother, it almost never is actually talking about lineage. Like it's not talking about who was born first. There's more than once where the person who was born second got the firstborn's rights. They either stole it or they were given it or so forth. Ishmael should have gotten Abraham's firstborn rights. Instead it was Isaac, technically Abraham's secondborn. And then you have right after that, not right after that, but you have Isaac's oldest son, Jacob, take the firstborn rights from Esau. Then you have a reference to Jesus being the firstborn of all creation. Jesus wasn't born. He was never made, as the Arians attempted to try and show us. The point of this passage was not that God was made, that Jesus was made as a firstborn, but that he has the role of the leader as the firstborn. It's a, it's a role. It's not, it's not a numerical reference. It's a positional reference. So even though humans were made last, we received the, the greatest amount of responsibility being both made of heaven and earth. And because of this, we have a very special relationship with the earth where our sin puts consequence on the rest of creation. Our sin has led to the fall of all creation, that all creation needs to be redeemed. That was a lot. Any comments thus far? Our sin leads to the fall of the rest of creation. If you went to CNN, Nathan, and you said, hey, guys, hey, guys, hey, guys, I'm telling you right now, it has nothing at all to do with the amount of chemicals that are going into the air or the breaking of the ozone. What if I told you when you wake up in the morning, tell God you love him and live your life as best as possible. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you. Give it 50 years and the earth is going to look way better. They say, what in heaven's name is this guy talking about? 
What's he? What's he smoking? That's that's. This is a weird Christian person guy thing who is now a, a greenie. No, I'm not a greenie. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Very, very easy for us to overlook the symbiotic relationship between human beings and the earth. The very first punishment that God gave to Adam was to work the earth. I'm not gonna say the very first punishment because you know people might be able to find ways around it. Isn't technically not the first thing. Anyways, the point that I'm trying to make though is. God wanted to get across to, to Adam that your sin has now caused the earth to produce thorns and thistles. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Thorns and thistles. Not that they're necessarily ugly to look at. Just mean that, no, my life's going to be a little bit harder. Now I'm going to have to uh, feel a little bit more pain whenever I go and eat. So I think it's an interesting uh, overlooked overlooked topic quite honestly yeah both by people in the church and necessarily people outside of the church more than anything yeah well also if you continue on in the rest of the old testament you have like the blessings to israel blessings to israel including you know financial response uh prosperity however it also includes the protection of of god and to the israelites and their land so there is a process where by following Christ and being faithful to him, the earth itself receives a blessing. And the more clear picture, however, is in the punishment, sadly. Like, not as sadly as in I would have done it differently, but sadly as in it's easy to overlook, and so a lot of people do, is that in the punishment of Israel, there was oftentimes punishments that weren't just to the humans, but were to the land and to the nature around them as well. Droughts famines, disease, plagues of locusts, all these things are devastating things to an econ- uh, ecology, not economy, ecology, not to the humans, but to the whole entire atmosphere and the relationship of all these biological things interacting together. So the punishment to the Israelites was reflected on the earth around them. So there's this relationship between the blessing and the consequence and the humans and nature in the old testament they're more times they're a lot of times very closely connected you have for example the what was it three years of no rain with elijah yeah something like that something like that and coming from a dude who works outdoors with nature no rain isn't just devastating to humans it's devastating to almost all of nature it's very hard for all of nature to work with. So there's this relationship going on between the prosperity of nature around the Jews and the actions of the Jews themselves. Because the Jews, because the, the Jews, like all of humans, are the firstborn leaders. They are the elder leaders. They are the, the ones that should know better because they are playing this specific role as image bearers of Christ to the rest of creation. What I find interesting, it might be a good thing to, to talk out though, is why that would be the case. Why would the earth be punished because the actions of something that uh, the local wildlife didn't do anything. So why should the local local wildlife be punished for the actions of the humans in the area? Bro, before we even like for all the uh overly conservative and 
overly liberal folks who may disagree with us. I just, if you don't mind, bro, I'd like to put this whole thing into context to, to pretty much show that the Bible does understand the human being and the earth relationship to be symbiotic. If you would take yourself to uh, Romans 8 verse 20, creation you see was subjected to pointless futility, not of its own volition, but because of the one who placed it in, in this subjection in hope that creation itself would be free from its slavery to decay, to enjoy the freedom that comes when God's children are glorified. So what's interesting is you see that the earth is in slavery to decay because it was subjected by the one who sinned or the one who subjected it. So Paul obviously is implying Adam um, and he and he's going to continue on and, you know, bring out Jesus as the second Adam. No, I think that's interesting. Like that whole passage really unfolds it all. I like how I was using the, using the Old Testament. You brought in the New Testament because they're so inter well, well interconnected. And a lot of times like people, that's, I always get kind of, this is a side note. Uh, I always get kind of uneasy when just referencing one half of the Bible because they both say the same thing. It's just, they're saying the same thing to different contexts. Oh, God's got a love in the old, in the new Testament, but a got a hate in the old. No, he's not. He is trying to love all the earth and call all the earth to himself. He has called forth missionaries and these missionaries are constantly actively rebelling against him. So he is constantly actively trying to get them to act straight to, so that they can bring the rest of creation to him through the temple in Jerusalem. And he is constantly being cut off. If somebody took my wife away from me and then proceeded to play games with me, I would not be a nice guy to these guys. I would, that's love. My love for my wife would drive me to hate these people playing games with me. Mm -hmm. And if I sent a legal like representative to try and go get my wife back because she's in a country right now that is all of a sudden closed borders and that legal representative was just playing games. Oh, buddy, I would come down with all the wrath of the Lord on that legal representative because that's my wife. I love her. I mean, I'm going to get her back. Um, that's probably a better analogy. Uh, but like my wife's taking vacation over in Spain, I guess. I don't know. She's taking vacation over in Spain. I need to know something. But <laughs> I'm a bit too broke to send her there. So I don't know how she got there. But if she was doing that during the beginning of COVID, and I, like, I was like, I need to get my wife back. What is the legal process to do this? And they said, oh, contact this legal representative. And I got a hold of this legal representative. And it wasn't that he was swamped or he was overworked because he probably would. If it was just simply that he was enjoying his time too much in Spain and what couldn't be bothered. I don't know who I would be getting a hold of, but I would find them very quick and they would be getting an earful and they would bring the hammer of the Lord down on that legal representative. And that's kind of the same situation. So the old Testament is showing the love of Christ to the rest of the world by God, not playing games in his relationship with the Israelites. But a lot of people won't see that because the context is different. I like how when you brought in the New Testament and I brought in the Old Testament, they're saying the same thing. The Old Testament is more about just living life as a nation. The New Testament is about the church being launched forth and the gospel being spread. So they're kind of two different contexts to the same exact story. So the theme is still there, even in Romans 8. Amen. No, absolutely, bro. And, uh, I mean, I think it's just one of those things that it's easy to overlook as well. <clears throat> you know, it's easy to overlook. And like you're saying, bro, um, God don't play those games, man. Jesus said that 
Jesus said that this generation is going to pay for all the blood of the prophets since the time of Moses. So you think about that legal that legal representative that ha- that was having fun on your dollar, that legal representative that said, oh, man, I know I should do my job. Oh, check out this uh, this hot spring right here. And I know I should do my job. Oh, hey, I'm going to use this money to go ahead and buy this food that I should be using to uh, help get my man's wife out of out of whatever. It's very easy. It's very, very easy for missionaries and people of God to go their own way. Right. And I think that what we don't understand is because ever since Jesus come, we have become overly spiritual. I'm not going to lie to you. This is how I really this is how I really think. And the reason why I say that, bro, is we've become overly spiritual because our right, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Excellent. Excellent. That's an excellent principle to think about, to ponder and to consider. And who is Christ and what did he do? Oh, he came from above and he didn't consider um, his divinity a thing to be counted, but rather went as an apostle of the father to come and save his children. So. If we're supposed to follow Paul as he follows Christ, that means the majority of us are, are living in our head in this high, high space that is completely disconnected from the rest of the world. Then, but and I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. You know, examine your own self. But does your Christianity have dirt on it when you're when you're when you're thinking about uh, God and you're praying to God or you are, are, are you understanding the different circumstances that make you you as a human being because God gave you food and water and rain and sunshine and all of these things and all of these things affect you in the slightest you ever wake up on a rainy day and say ah shucks I don't feel like doing nothing no, it's, hey, it's every rainy day hey hey that's interesting you know what I'm saying go ahead brother get your spirit up get your spirit right a rainy day shouldn't do that to you oh but it does though why does it? Because there's a very interesting relationship that God created when he created human beings and the earth. And we cannot deny the fact that the more we toil in futility, the less fruitfulness that the earth is going to bring us. This is a principle that nobody will ever acknowledge. I guarantee it. It's not a principle that nobody will ever try to align themselves in the right way to really bring. And to, to, all right. I'm I'm not gonna keep going, but yeah. I yeah. I love that. Because when you look at the relationship of man being in earth, it is the process of things that are moved moving. You have the unmovable mover and then you have the things that are moving. Our atmosphere will influence us, but then proceed to have us influenced. And that's good. I'm gonna use this as a segue to continue on to our next point. Music and humanities and art. These are things that we participate as a collection of humans in this organism that are things that as i was saying are things that move us but are moved the music you listen to the artist is responsible for the creation of that music but at the same time he's going to be moved to make that music so when you have a population that is listening to more music talking about oh i just want to die that is a bad sign at where your community is at and in the same breath you should do something to try and lower the music being made that says that. But it also, you should address the heart of the issue, which is that these people aren't in a good place. We need to help them get to a better place, such as, you know, seeing an active church start taking care of their community and reaching out in, uh, to combat like depression or anxiety. 
So you have that twofold action because it's a twofold issue where it is both influenced and an influencer. And as you were saying, you are, you, we have the spiritual, uh, spiritualness where in this situation, what the church would probably do is just pray because we've kind of separated ourselves from the action and reaction stage of being a human here on earth. So being humans on earth, there are multiple different as, uh, avenues of, what may, of where we can take this today. And there's multiple different avenues of the implications that this has for us. I have particularly four in mind. I'll read them off now. We have man and earth. In other words, ecology. If we are part of this earth and its firstborn, we should be as Christians who believe in the gospel and believe in a God who came to redeem the whole of creation. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Mix that with Romans 8, 20, as you brought up earlier, and you've got a clear image of Christ through the gospel and through seeing humans come to Christ, seeing an earth that is also being brought closer to Christ. There's this language in the New Testament that is just filled with the seam of all of the earth being redeemed, not just man bailing on this raft, but that all of this is coming together for his glory to be made new. Um, but then you also have that if the gospel is true, which we believe, and everything we've talked about is true, which I believe, then humans should be involved in the humanities. We should be leading the way when it comes to art, when it comes to music, when it comes to creating ways that humans express themselves. Christians should be leading the way in this. And we've been on the top three losers on a, a lot of those. <laughs> um, but also, Christians should be involved and leaders in the humanitarian world because our relationship with each other is being redeemed as well as being part of this earth. There's multiple different layers of the earth that we are connected to. And also our fellow man is another way. So it's addressing um, suicide in a country, but also homelessness. And we're addressing single mothers and so forth and bringing support to these people who need support. And then finally, we should be involved in activism. Because we are moved movers, we should be involved in trying to call a community that we are attached to into a better action because we are responsible to it. So I'm gonna, I would like to go down each of these avenues with Elijah one-on-one, -on -one, but those are the four areas where we as Christians, being influenced by the gospel, which is that God in his infinite mercy and, and grace and wisdom and love and justice cannot stand for wrong to remain wrong, but that it must be made right, has come down and set what was wrong right. With that being the gospel, these four areas all need to be something that Christians are heavily involved in. So that was a lot. I went everywhere. Man, I'm going to tell you what, bro. Honestly, bro, we could turn each one of these into a podcast. Probably. <clears throat> truly, truly, truly. Man, you know, I just want to say this really quickly, bro, because I can't get it out of my head. For although no man will now, in the present ruin of the human race, perceive God to be either a father or the author of salvation or propitious in any respect until Christ interposed to make our peace. 
Man, that is an unbelievable quote to me, bro. It's really an unbelievable quote to me because it explains so much atheism. It explains so much agnosticism, and it explains a lack of trust that even human beings are, or let me just pull it, the people of God have in their own God. In the present condition of the world, we look at the world around us and we say something like, where is God? Seriously, he's supposed to be all good. Where is he? Just Hurricane Katrina just touched down in New Orleans. Uh, there was another tornado that done hit Tornado Valley. Looks like, um, you know, things are going on in, in, in England. People are still warring in Russia, so on and so forth. Would be most helpful to Christians is understanding that God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Humans are always going to be disconnected from understanding scripture when they don't realize how exactly the image of God in their life needs to be applied. Seriously, like like I'm not I'm not lying. The majority of us think that we walk around with a badge on our on our back or on our shoulder. Are you kidding me? God doesn't stand still and look at it. You know, he's not standing still waiting for you to be like, oh, that's a nice flower. Let me clap. Nah. What did Jesus say? Hey, my father's been working from this very day, from the beginning of eternity. Likewise, so am I. So it's so interesting to me that as Christians, we like to assume that Christianity is about how good do I look as a Christian? How many sins am I not committing? Bro, shut up and go help somebody. You know, go do something because you are not honoring the image of God in yourself and you're not honoring the image of God for the reason why he put you here. If we aren't really doing like these little simple things that we're talking about today, bro, and I'm not trying to come at nobody, but these are just like simple things that I feel like are basic, 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 basic points of scripture. You know what I'm saying? Like the, I mean, the, 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 the author of the Hebrews wanted to, wanted to enlarge the understanding of the Hebrews who are getting ready to, to dip out of Christianity, but they, they couldn't. They weren't willing to hear it. They weren't ready to hear it. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, if I could, just like with what you're saying, Jesus was probably the least Christian guy you would have met. He didn't really look very much like a Christian. He was, his language was very rude. And even though you would want to say like, oh, don't say that because like he was supposed to be nice and loving, compassionate. He was a man who was on a mission. His mission was to rearrange the way that you saw you would have been, if you were concerned with looking like a good Christian, you would have been much more better fit to chill with the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. Amen. No, 100%. They were the ones that looked like good Christians. And boys. as far as I'm concerned, I'm ready to get hate from everybody that's listening to this podcast. As far as I'm concerned, the Pharisees are drawing real close to Fox News and conservatism today in America. <laughs> are you thinking I'm, you thinking I'm lying about that? And you can't tell me, bro, that the liberals and you can't tell me that the liberals aren't the uh, what do you call these? The, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees are the, uh, are the liberals, bro. Hey, there's no such thing as angels and so forth. I was about to say, listen, then the Sadducees are over here being CNN. All right. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> hey, yo, their, <laughs> their world was so much more similar to ours than we realize. Literally, man. Literally. So a little context and background. The Pharisees were the people who chilled out on the streets, chilling out with the people and they were the ones who were willing to say there's angels there's a resurrection of the dead there's miracles 
then they were the ones that were willing to work on the streets with the people. Um, that's why I would 100% agree with if Pharisees were alive today, they would watch Fox. And if Sadducees were alive today, they would watch CNN. They were, they were businessmen. They were businessmen that stood between Caesar and the temple. And they collected the money that was along the way, but they also suffered from all the stress as well. That, that's very good. So point, yeah. they were very that's stressed out true. people at all times. But um, they would, that's why they're like, they're CNN. Like they, they CNN stands between what Washington and yes. pretty much the rest of the world. Meanwhile, Fox News is chilling out with the people making their rounds with the locals. Like, and if you really think that CNN chills out with the locals, bro, don't, don't, hey, <laughs> spend hey, some time out yeah. of your city. Just don't, don't, don't fool yourself. Yeah, yeah. Don't fool but, yourself. CNN is sometimes anyway that that part might get us in trouble if I that definitely will. <laughs> the point is this: I would two hundred percent agree, and I think Jesus would have none of it on both ends. Amen. No, amen, bro. See, because I just have to say, bro, uh, I'm gonna use these two quotes, and then I'm gonna hand it back over to you, bro, for this quick ecology part. So, if I could just read that quote one more time, because I want to work with both of these quotes, say something, and then hand it to you. Um, from the Institutes of the Christian Religion one more time for, for oh, no man will now in the present ruin of the human race perceive God to be either a father or the author of salvation or propitious in any respect until Christ interposed to make our peace. That was uh, John Calvin there. Uh, Genesis 1 starting at 26. God said, let us make human beings in our image as our likeness so they can hold, so they can hold sway, so they can hold sway over the fish in the sea, over the birds in the heavens, over the animals, over all the earth, and over all the things that move on the earth. So God created human beings in his image. So this is where my mind's at, right? Where although no man will now and the present ruin of the human race perceive God to be a father. Let's pause there, right? Like in my head, bro, I agree with that 100%. The natural disposition is atheism or agnosticism. And one of the reasons is, is because when we look at the world around us, what do we see? We see decay. We see viciousness. We see uh, aggressiveness. We see death. We see destruction. We see the stronger um, overpowering the weaker. We see uh, 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 people deceiving others. You know, all, all different types and ways that one organism takes advantage over another organism in a very, very improper way. Let's say it like that. In a very, very improper way. And a lot of us will be like, God, where are you at? God, what are you doing? I made you God on earth. Mm -mm. I gave you my heart so that you can bring justice. Mm. I gave you my mind so that you can give counsel. You know what I'm saying? I gave you creativity so that you can hold sway over the creation. But no, 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 no. We like to think that the image of God inside of us is this thing to which God looks at and says, hey, that's great. They got my image. Bro, when it says that Jesus is the son of God, it does not have anything to do with how he looks. 
or his Jewishness. It has everything to do with what Jesus is constantly doing himself. When Jesus does something and then people are like, hey, why the heck are you doing that? Oh, my, my, my father does it. That's why I do it. Why aren't you doing it? Hey, is it better to uh, is it better to hurt or heal on the Sabbath? Well, I'm not going to answer that question. That's a trick question. I bet you won't. You're too interested in. Anyways, anyway, moving on, moving on. My point is, bro, is that when we as Christians study these scriptures and we don't understand the attributes of God, when we don't take the time to understand who God is, what he's given us and how he wants his world to run, we look at it and we look at what we're doing. And we're like, uh, yeah, there's something wrong here. God's not doing something. Bro, do you realize that you are the one? Do you realize that you are the one protecting the forests? Do you realize that you are the one that's supposed to be stopping animals from becoming extinct? Bro, I'm going to tell you something. I was talking to one of my very close friends, like, not too long ago, bro. And uh, I saw a lightning bug. And I was like, man, do you know that lightning bugs are about to go extinct? Do you know how fond of a memory I have as a young boy playing with lightning bugs with my bro, sister? Bro, you don't, don't know. My baby, bro. My daughter saw one. Do you know how I will feel, bro, if I go outside and I won't see any lightning bugs? Bro, people like, oh, this guy's crying about lightning bugs. Hey, bro, and what are you crying about? Probably nothing. Because you have nothing in your life to cry about. You don't have any type of value or care. Understand that what God gave us is for us to enjoy and use and also, he gave us his garden to cherish it, to take care of it. So like my boy Nathan said earlier, a legal representative was sent. Because on the first, on the, on the first time, hey, I lent you guys my garden, uh, but you guys aren't really handling it right. I'll send a prophet and get this clarified. Oh, hey, yep, let's kill this guy. He's telling us how to run this property that's been rented out to us for the past 200,000 years. Let's go ahead and kill this guy. Oh, all right, let me send another prophet. Send another prophet. Finally, let me send my Christ. They kill him. You know what I'm saying? Like, human beings, we're so lost, bro. We're so lost. We don't know where to start. When it comes to human beings and the earth, when it comes to how the earth looks and the people around you, and if you see that somebody is down, or if you see a, a depressed person, if you see an injured insect, if you see a broken leg on a, on a, on a, on a, a deer limping God intended for you to go and do what he does which is care and bring life to bring encouragement to bring thrivingness liveliness to who he is mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying like this is what it means to have Dude, the image of God can't even add to that man that was but please do add to it bro please do that was fire I'm not gonna add to it because I'd take away from it I think you said exactly what needed to be said because it's true uh, I said I wouldn't add to it, so I'm just going to try and synopsize it. So, that you asked the question, where is God? God answers, I could have swore I sent you. Because that directly con connects to all four we're going to talk about. So we're going to go down the list. Uh, we're going to start off with God and, with man and the humanities. Because that's what I was mentioning earlier. That's music. That's art. That's how humans convey meaning to other humans, which I think that word meaning is so crucial because it's, it's value. It's emotion, but it's also intention and it's need. It's all these things. So we as Christians should be infusing the humanities with redemption. Mm, 
I like, like that. You can sing about women, but sing uh, like as a dude, you can sing about women. You can even sing about sex, but sing about it in the redemptive manner. Sing about it in the God honoring manner that takes these topics and put them back to the glory of God. And we've been losing this fight for so long. Art today is almost explicitly designed to be a trap for Christians. It's the recent history it's had, like the children of the Dada movement run everywhere. Mm-hmm. Even Christians, when they get into art today, they'll be doing abstract art. And they don't realize that actually comes from a heavy, heavily anti-Christian thought, very anti-gospel thought. Mm-hmm. This idea that there is no value in the earth. There's no worth in the earth. And everything that you use to try and convey morals is nothing more than an interpretation of a big mess. <sighs> Like we need to be in this junk trying to make sense of the world. And the humanities is one way that humans understand what they're seeing when they look at the world. Amen. Yeah. And that's why modern Christian music disgusts me. Because what is it saying? I feel good. I feel fuzzy. Giving me more abstract junk. (laughs) Get that abstract junk out of here. (laughs) That boy Nate been studying the daggone on humanities, bro. I only really have studied Marcel Duchamp in a little bit of Picasso. Yeah. My favorite is, I think it was actually Picasso that did a painting. No, it wasn't. It wasn't Marcel Duchamp either, but there's one other artist did a painting of his, his lady friend that he was going to marry soon, but he was, there's no point to the marriage. So he didn't really bother to put the title on there before he started treating her like his wife anyway. And he literally named the painting. It was her naked doing a pose and he literally named it chair and it in the language but he literally named it chair because the difference between that woman and a chair was nothing unless you decided to force value onto the situation so i knew that had to be the case real quick because uh, right 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 like to me that's a perfect 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 image of what he's trying to express because humans we place so much value on even just the looking at a nude body like seriously and he's saying hey look it's up to you title hey as far as i'm concerned yeah there's a naked lady here but it's the chair that really is uh what's supposed to grab your attention right and the reason why it grabbed your attention is because i didn't think i should hey it's this thing that's supposed to take my attention right like, that's how I'm looking at it. You know what I'm saying? Like, of well, all, like you have beauty is... standing right there, and then you have something ugly. So let's focus on the ugly <laughs> instead. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's very, that's very da-da. That's very mm-hmm. dishonoring of, anyways, anyways. Of the traditional. Well, that's kind of like what the da-da has always been, is about dishonoring the traditional. Like, my favorite was when Marcel Duchamp painted a painting that was erotic. But it wasn't erotic, because it was a bunch of squares and matte skin-toned colors. <laughs> But they were a different, the shades and the squares were arranged in such a way that you could have swore you saw some arms and legs, four arms and uh, four legs, all entangled together. And you're sitting here going like, this is an erotic painting. And Marcel Duchamp would have looked at you and went, no, it's not an erotic painting. It is literally just a bunch of squares and just a bunch of colors. Whatever you saw there, you put in there. Mm. He's right because you saw, you're the one who saw sex and you're the one who decided it was taboo. 
that was his point. Yeah. Was like, can I say really quickly, bro? Can we, can you, can, can you do me a favor? Yeah. Um, bro, let's please have a conversation about sex. Okay. That's <laughs> Sigmund, pause, 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 but very, 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 very specific to historical figures. Queen Elizabeth and Sigmund Freud. I believe that Sigmund Freud is the prophet to undo the work that Queen Elizabeth did, which is I Queen Elizabeth I was this very weird, um, asexual type of a woman. Because let's be honest, bro. Let's be honest, right? If we're talking about human beings, and I hate to, you know, I don't want to take this too far than what it has to, but if we're talking about human beings, we all admit that we all have different tastes. You have your cup of tea. I have my cup of tea. You like two sugars. I like five. Right. However, Queen Elizabeth says something like, you know what? I don't seem to have that much of a sexual. bro. I'm, I'm going to blow your mind one day, bro. I'm serious, because I believe that the reason why she did this was because of Calvinism. I, believe I can explain to you why. But anyways, that will be a diff- for a different day. But she imposes her personality upon her nation. That's how I see that. And because she has a very low sex drive or whatever the hell she has going on with herself, she now imposes social restrictions that she can do that because she's queen. And who's going to question her? Not you. You're a peon. You know what I'm saying? However, we have a very bright German psychologist who's like, hey, man, yeah, this is getting, you know, out of hand. It's not enough sex going around. You know what I'm saying? There's repression. There's sexual repression. That's why people are going crazy. And of course, people are going to buy that and eat that up. And I just, bro, I just think it would be a very interesting conversation to have. I think it's interesting that because the work, I would first off 100% agree on both fronts. Um, but also, like, because with Sigmund Freud, what he did was he said that your true inner self is what you feel on the inside. And by addressing and attaching it to sex, he automatically connects mm. something that's very personal and intimate in nature and says that, that's it. And then you proceed to see for years, People use sex as the way to try and reach the greater, the, the, the thing that is beyond the physical realm. And so, anyway, we're out of topic. We are. Um, Humans leading so, humanities. Humanities. Well, we, we should probably continue on. Um, we'll just quickly brush by this. But if we are going to be gospel-focused Christians who seeing the wrong made right, humanity should be one way where we are just in it. Make music. Make art, make passion. Realize we were just talking about sex. Keep those two but words separate those, right yeah. now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but make make this intrinsic value that is connected and pinned on the value that Christ brings, and that you display because you are a moved mover in this world towards redeeming the field of humanities. And I realize that's very threatening language because if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this, what this sounds like is we can't have any more penises. Or, or it sounds like they want, we want to become a, what is it, like a theocracy? Every time oh. a Christian puts their, uh, their thoughts out into the social world, well, you want a theocracy? Shut up. I'm tired of hearing that. I want a theocracy. It's against it. Dude, they, dude. Christians, uh, come on. I mean, look, I'm not going to disagree with you with theocracy. Uh, 
I'm not even gonna go there. I'm really not, bro. I'm really not. Anyway, because I've been so this. off topic. Actually, it wouldn't be. We can go. So another field that redeemed Christ, gospel-centered Christians should be focusing on because we are part of this organism together. We are part of this this moving body of human intellectuals together. We have because we're no longer that cog in the machine. We are part. We are a finger on a piece of a body. Activism is crucial. Activism is crucial. We cannot stand by and watch the rest of our society be okay with not being okay. We have to, as redeemed beings, part of an organism, call it the greater. And I'm not talking about going and literally lighting on fire whole entire downtown blocks. No, sir. All right. I do not agree with any really of those manners from even like January 6th storming a Capitol building heard the arguments well technically they own the capitol building we all own the capitol building that was a little uncalled for whether or not they should go to jail different story realize this is a sensitive time to bring it up so i'm gonna slowly back away (laughs) or lighting whole entire city uh, blocks on fire um honestly i feel like a lot of those protests were insult to mark insults to martin luther who did so much with so little and then with so much you did so much destruction. That was almost the reverse of what Martin Luther fought for. Oh, 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 what do you mean? I thought you were talking about Martin Luther 95. No, 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 no. I talk about the protests for, for, for Black Lives Matter and that for a man who was fighting for equality by preaching, teaching, and trying to change the minds of the people, the Martin Luther King Jr. you have instead... But the, these things that cause so much destructions in so many cities almost create an insult to Martin Luther To King his Jr. legacy, 100%, bro. See, because this thing, here's the thing, right? There's a reason why we learned about Martin Luther King in school and we only uh, barely learned about Malcolm X. I'm going to say this, bro. I'm going to say this, and this is about to be not even, this shouldn't even be on the podcast, but I'm going to like, put, it, put it to you like this. This is the reason why Malcolm X and Martin Luther King are literally two different examples of a philosophy of life. And what did Martin Luther do? He opted for the Mahatma Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi opted for the Jesus, right? And what did, Mar- what did Malcolm X do? He opted for um, Julius Caesar. So the problem is, is that people don't seem to realize, like Mahatma Gandhi said, bro, an eye for an eye made the whole world blind. So even as a, as a black person, as soon as you tell yourself, damn, these white people, excuse me, bro, these white folks are out here, you know, doing this and that and this and that. And the only way for us to really come up as a people is to attack them. No. An eye for an eye made the whole world blind. Once you get attacked, let's say you got maybe a year of freedom or six months of freedom. Do you think that for whatever reason, whatever racial war was just started, whether it's are you liberal or conservative? Because, you know, we're going to hide our we're going to hide the tribalism that comes with that, because it's not just going to be white people with black people because we have Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders was daggone, you know, marching with Martin Luther King. He loves to be with, there, there are certain white people who, who disregard being white and they opt out instead for, I would, pre- I would prefer to stand with the Black Lives Matter. Why? Because for them, that's right. That's proper. So I guess what I'm saying is that if a race war ever comes, it's not going to do anything for anybody because I guarantee you they're going to be white and black people fighting for the same thing. A Royster 5'9 has a song. Um, and I can't remember what the, I think it's called as the Lord swings the pendulum. I believe that's the name of the song pendulum. But anyways, he has a line in there that says we're going to rob the rich and leave them with the effing bill. 
It's talking about who cares? You take the day she want. But just think about that, bro. If if that uh was not what happened after George Floyd, bro, bro, for whatever reason, bro, hey, hey, we we really need to change our approach, bro, to mm-hmm. the way we think about revolution. I think we need to go back to the gospel. And as I was saying earlier, the wrong being made right. What to me, you got to me, you got two ways to cause change. You either grab it by the hair and you pull it up or you go under it, grab its nasty, dirty feet that have been walking where you don't know and you lift it up. All right. One requires strength and the other one requires you being a jerk. All right. So whenever you look at violent revolution, you are grabbing by the hair and pulling that society up. Yes. But whenever you go down, you've got to see these people's faces and you've got to proceed to make yourself lower than them to lift up society. And that requires so much work. And it's so slow. And it's why the Civil War hated and made the point of the war slavery, which you know I disagree with that statement. Um, likewise. But that's why there's the North selling point was look at these slave-owning monsters. We've got to destroy them. Propaganda is amazing. Propaganda is breathtaking, man. And the thing is that we have to dispose of the propaganda because that is the pulling by the hair. You're coming with me and you're going to flip and like it. Yep, 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 yep. I'm you might, you might lose a few strands on the way. I'm going to, exactly. You're going to lose some hair. I'm going to pull you up and you better not be screaming. When, I better hear you calling me daddy as I pull you up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that is the revolution and that's the mindset we, that Americans have taken. Here in the United States, that's the only way to do anything. Even on the conservative side, if they think they're going to take my guns, well, they got they got another thing coming and that other thing is a bullet. They're going like, to come and take like, my guns. That's what whoa, it is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, guys. Whoa. 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 I understand that's the point of the Second Amendment because it is. Read it. Yeah. In order for to an arm a militia to fight against tyranny. That's literally what it says. But that's not what we're here to talk about. You need to realize if you want to change a culture, it's the dirty, slow process of lifting it up. That is the way that Christians cause change because that's the process of making what's wrong right. Because what's really wrong is the hearts and the minds of the people, not the actions they're taking. Because if we go back to the gospels, I said way back in one of the first podcasts I did on this podcast. The gospel is that Christ looked at a tree not producing fruit and he said, the health is wrong here. I have to address the health of this tree. I can't just beat this tree until it gives me fruit. I have, I have. And that's what we look at is that the fruit isn't being produced. It's the health of the tree we have to address. That's what a good farmer of an orchard does. I'll be honest with you, bro. I feel like we really did just hit that humanitarian effort. or No, that was definitely that activism part, bro. But I feel like that's sort of no, because humanitarian, you was talking about poor and people and stuff like that, poor folks and stuff like that. Um, bro, but I just want to say, dude, when it comes to activism, would you agree that liberals and leftism is far more active and activated than conservatives or Christians or anybody who holds to a religious value? What are what are yes. look, seriously, seriously speaking, what are religious people typically doing? Hiding in their churches right now. Yes. Pretty much. And then during the, the mission field, what are they doing? They got maybe the three good souls who are actually interested in helping somebody. And right? everyone else is on vacation. And then Christian media, what we got? 
Christianity today. Bro, you're killing it, bro. I'm Nathan, okay. you hit every important sector, bro. Like you, bro. You hit every important sector, bro. bro I feel like Nathan, I love you, bro. <laughs> I ain't got nothing Thanks, else to man. say right now, bro. There's so much that you got me thinking about right now, bro. And Listen. when you take that activism, because now you got me thinking, bro, because we're talking about activism, you got me talk, thinking about principles and action. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, we're not moving. Mm-mm. We're preaching. Mm-mm. Bro, but like you just said, bro, Jesus was a man who, bro, there's a, there's a verse in Mark. There's a verse in Mark where Jesus says, uh, somebody asked Jesus a question. He's like, hey, Jesus, you want to go over here? And he's like, "Nah, I'm going over to the next town for this is the reason I have come. Interesting, like you say, bro, Jesus had a very, very fixed purpose in his life. Right. And we don't want to underestimate this focusedness because, like you said, he sounded rude a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because he was focused. And what is the church not focused? What is the church trying to play patty kick with the rest of CNN or Fox News? Or, yeah, we're LGBTQ positive or LGBTQ negative. Bro, all of that is completely secondary to what the gospel came here for. Do you realize? Thank you. you. Do you realize that the preaching that you are constantly doing is nothing but uh, 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 singing the same tune? Like Willie mm-hmm. Nelson and Waylon Jennings, I like to listen to a lot of old country and blues music, bro. And one thing I, li- I learned is that there are tens of 20s of 30s of artists that literally sing the same song from their own, from their own, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm serious, bro. Like, old bluesy songs, bro, have been done over hundreds of times. But there's nothing new happening. Why is that? Who cares? That's not the point. The point is this. For whatever reason, we have something like that spirit here in the church. All we're mm-hmm. doing is is rehearsing the same little quotes that we've been telling each other. But we're not mm-hmm. Jesus. We're not moving on to the next town. We're not trying to activate our apostles. We're not trying to... Man, bro, that activism got me going, Nate. <laughs> <laughs>